It's Monday. You guys know how we do this. We sit down. We're going to go some from PFF grades. So uh, if you need some milk and magnesia or some Pepto-Bismol, I suggest you grab it now, kids. We're going to sit down with John Costco. We're going to evaluate the offense. We're going to evaluate the defense after an absolute embarrassing effort by everyone involved. Stay tuned for your latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Locked On Browns brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Appreciate everybody for making us your first listen day in, day out. Whatever podcasting app you use. Locked on Browns, make sure you're subscribed, following, always there for you, daily, always free, PFF. Uh, senior analyst John Costco along for the ride here today. We are going to sit down and we are going to break down some ugly, ugly play from yesterday. We're going to get into it, the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, and we'll get into some other things. And, John, first things first, you've been a part of them. I've been a part of them. We've been a part of them probably both of us at some point, either way. There is just a day where you can do nothing right on a football field, or there is a day where it just goes so miraculously well, it stuns you. I don't know if maybe the Browns, and this is something you know I've been thinking about a little bit more, is how did last week go practice-wise? Did last week go easy? Did they really think that maybe due to the fact they had moved on from 13, pushed around the Cincinnati Bengals, did they think this was going to be, you know, not, you know, a little bit easier. Oh, wow, we found our footing. That was it. That was the only problem that was going on here. But, John, they walked off the bus. They got into that stadium. And not only did they get beat up on the field, they literally got beat up. Baker injured again. Anthony Schwartz, A.J. Green, both in the concussion protocol. John, it's like they showed up, you know, I mean, it's like they showed up, you know, to a gunfight and basically had a freaking box cutter with them. They got beat from pillar to post. And it's a question of actual play, coaching, heart, all the things that you don't even want to start getting to when you talk about it, you know, a sport. But it's to that point where yesterday, and it looked like a whole bunch of guys that were thinking, hey, if we go in at halftime, do we necessarily have to come back out? Yeah. I mean, they, they came out, first drive looked good, um, you know, but then like, the, I mean, the first, basically the first quarter kind of looked like yeah, business as usual. Browns typically – you know, even on defense, I struggle against a, a good offensive team trying to find their footing, and then they usually make adjustments and, and it are good from there. Um, and that just wasn't the case in this game at all. The the Patriots on the other side of the ball made adjustments, and the Browns just seemingly didn't. Uh, I know Miles Garrett had his comments and stuff like that, but it, it just legitimately looked like that. And then they just got they just they just got beat up. Um, you know, this is clearly the worst game you know, grade wise from a, from that standpoint um, for the season that the Browns had. And clearly Probably the worst game of the Stefanski era, no? Uh, the, I'd have to look at it last year's Pittsburgh game. That one was really bad as well. Oh, pretty either, yeah. Um, yeah, the first one in week six, but this one overall, the team had it at a 49 grade um, and, and Baker's grade. Tell you the truth. That was, seems generous, but go ahead. Yeah, then this game was worse than that one because that was a 55.8. So 49 is like, I mean, insanely so confirmed, bad, right? So confirmed. The worst game so, of the Stefanski era. Okay. Yeah. And you, you, 
I part of it me part of me thinks that you know you had the whole emotional roller coaster of what happened leading up into the Bengals game, and pretty much everything clicked. Everything was like adrenaline wise. Everything was went really well there, and you probably have to think somewhat of emotional drain let down and everything like that this week. And, you know, did they give it their all? Did they, you know, all that stuff did, did, were they on point? Didn't look like it, but obviously they, they got their, uh, their, they just got their, their butts kicked out of them. And you know, uh, John, John nicely enough, there going with the same way he would probably explain it to his young sons. It was even worse. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. And Look, you know, and look, you can point fingers to Baker. Play. I'm not defending anybody here. I mean, I think maybe about, you know, besides Dearness Johnson, and maybe John will give us a name or two. Uh, everybody else should pretty, feel pretty guilty about sticking their hand out or checking the direct oh. deposit, make sure the check went through. Even Dearness fumbled the ball on a play. True. So but he ran hard. But he ran hard. He ran hard. Yeah. He looked good other than, you know, fumbling it on, on the one play. But yeah, like, uh, and even, even from his standpoint, he looked good only in that first drive of the game. And then everything kind of went that went part of it is that they didn't switch anything up. They didn't run a, a power or counter or anything pulling with Wyatt telling to the fourth quarter. Um, all their powers were going to this one side of the, you know, to the right, they were running everything to the right. So, you know, the Patriots kind of adjusted and then the Browns didn't adjust to it. So, you know, and then they, they couldn't get off the field on, on third down Browns couldn't extend the drives on third down. Typically, you want to try to get you don't want to get yourself into those third downs when you're on offense. You just hopefully make first first downs on the, you know, first and second downs. But yeah, it, I mean, Joel Batonio had a solid game, and then on the defensive side, Miles Garrett had a good game. But other than that, it was you know, it was not good as as you can imagine. Now, all right. So, I mean, look. So you know, guys, look. Obviously, John, you know, very very well versed here. So I mean, look, the grades, I, and I'm sure you've all seen it by now. I mean, you know, so there it is. There's two people that, you know, basically played okay. But, John, you get to the philosophical side of it. And, look, it, it, granted, it is Bill Belichick, and that's fine. I mean, look, he's been doing this for years. But how do you just get so woefully on both sides of the ball? And, you know, there was nothing. I mean, they had zero ideas. And they were even – I mean, and even – look, if everybody's trying to take away the run, I, I don't know, John, here's a novel concept. Uh, maybe let's just throw it deep for the sake of throwing it deep. Uh, you know, they're not going to call off the dogs if we're not going to show any attempt. And this goes back to some of the things that we saw last year where it felt like they were playing arena league football again. Look, sometimes, and I don't even care if you end up throwing it five yards out of bounds. Take a shot to let them know that you at least got the stones to try to take a shot. Yeah, part of that is on on Baker. There was, I mean, they t- he took a shot. Part of it is, is is reading the defense and finding the open guy and, and then taking your shots when they are there, right? So there was a play where he he threw it away early in it was the second quarter um, when he scrambled out of bounds, uh, basically, and threw it away. Uh, early in that, in that play, he had David and Joku up the seam. Didn't take the shot. Um, but generally, you know, nothing – I mean, you just have to – nothing went right with this, right? You only, you only attempted six passes at the intermediate level. Um, I mean, Baker only – only attempted 21 passes in this game, but you, you just, you have to be better on that. And part of it is the re one of the reasons why they wanted to keep OBJ on the, on this roster is because they have an explosive downfield threat that was, that could take, you know, put the fear in defenses. And, you know, when we like Donovan people's Jones, we like Anthony Schwartz. We think these guys have, you know, talent and stuff like that, but they don't strike fear into any type of defense right now, even with Donovan people's Jones, he's had some big, 
deep catches and stuff. Nobody strikes a fear into a team like that they that right at this point. So you have to you have to do some other things to to to, to strike fear into them. And I mean Baker's got to when when there are shots down the field to take like the like I said to the Njoku, you've got to take it. Njoku had a really bad game. He mm-hmm. he had he was he was really bad in this game. He had a touchdown. He essentially dropped and uh, and another drop as well. But that was the other drop was huge. Yeah, and and part of it is you know it, it looked like Baker wasn't trusting his guys again. Like he he and Joku was open there, and he didn't pull the trigger down the seam. And it was guns cover three. He got had him open early. It's just part of it is that you have to you know part of it is it how much of this this past week were they not fully invested into the game plan into the practices working their butts off to try to get you know ready for this game and because it really just kind of looked like that Uh, and for me that's what i take away from it and it was you know hey everybody talked about the Bengals. we went in there we crushed them odell was the only issue this team had which in all actuality don't i mean it's far from it and and right now you're looking you know there's issues on the offensive side of the ball there's issues on the defensive side of the ball and you know, I'm not exactly sure, you know, if Miles Garrett was trying to create a stir because Miles just isn't wired that way. I think he was just so frustrated with everything that it came out. And sometimes you can't hold it back, essentially, and because that's never the type of person that Miles Garrett is. But basically, you know, you basically had your players saying, you know, we did play like a shit show. And I pardon my French. But part of it is, is because we were being coached to play like the show. So and you can't have that. And look, so much of this game is based on, you know, counter. You'll, all right, I'm doing this. Oh, you're not going to do this to stop this. Well, what am I going to do to count? And look, and it's thinking two, three moves ahead. And for me, it was simple. I mean, you know, so one team was playing checkers yesterday. I don't even know if the Browns were, I mean, you know, I don't even know if the Browns were playing checkers. The Patriots were playing chess and were playing with vengeance. The Browns just – it just seemed like a team that was kind of – you know, it almost seemed like they had a COVID week. And, like, Friday it was like, all right, we're all clear. We can go. When in all actuality, they did have a full week of practice. Yeah, it, it seemed like um, – I mean, you obviously you lose – you don't have Nick Chubb for the game. Um, you don't have Felton for the game. But, like, you've had games where you didn't have Nick Chubb. And you came up and, and you showed out and played. Um and yeah, but Nick Chubb's not going to bring heart to 53 guys. And that's the part no, of course what a lot of people are saying. Yeah. It could have maybe changed the outcome a little bit, but he's not going to walk around like the wizard of Oz and, you know, give the lion courage and give the tin man a freaking heart. Right. No, the, a running back isn't going to make, make a 37 point difference. It's just, that's just the, you know, the truth of the matter. He's could, could he have uh, provided a different threat to that, to that defense and open more things up deep or whatever, maybe, but they're not going to, it's not going to be the difference of, of this game winning or losing, you might be able to put 21 points up on a board or whatever with better, probably not even that, but based on how they played, it's just, this was not, I don't know. Part of it, part of it is like, this was just an, it was just such a, such a bad game. It's such an outlier for how bad this game was. It's worth, it's like, even in the Arizona game where they got, they got beat 37 to 14, which, you know, similar, similar, you know, similar type of score until like Browns kind of had a score at the end of the game or, or, you know, they basically had a Hail Mary or whatever that kind of made it look a little bit better, right? But they didn't play as bad as they did in this game. This game, they, they got thoroughly manhandled on a on a def- def- defensive line, offensive line after the first drive. 
and they couldn't get couldn't get any push in, in the pocket. They couldn't get push, you know, with their offensive line. They couldn't connect on anything. And at least in that Arizona game, they looked competent. And there was like a few fluke plays that kind of happened in that one, where it's like, well, this could have been a different outcome had you know had, had these few things gone their way. There's not this in this game. This game, they just they just got manhandled. And it's to me, when you have an outlier like that, like it doesn't, it's not indicative of who they are. And because we've, what we've seen from throughout the rest of the season is that they've been one of the higher graded teams in the NFL. I don't, you know, even though though they're a five and five team they're they've played better than that. So to me, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an outlier that you can almost put aside. You have to learn from the mistakes that you had in this and probably from a preparation standpoint and from a coaching standpoint, get better from that. But it's like, you can't, you can almost can't have to toss this game out in terms of just how bad it was. Cause it was this, it was otherworldly bad. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you go from one week of the absolute high and to the following week of the absolute low. We're going to talk a little bit here about the defensive side of the ball, because look, what new England was doing yesterday ain't was nothing that, you know, <clears throat> you shouldn't have seen coming. I mean, it was basic X's and O's and simplicity. And you know what? We don't think he can stop us. So we're not going to show much more. We're going to continue here under the lens. John Costco along for the ride here on your latest Lockdown Browns. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you were eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, ca- low low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. The best part of the Built Bar lineup is the diversity of their flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, dull chocolate, and Cherry Barcia. And this month, Built is coming out with new limited flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15, all caps, no space, and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Defensively, John, and I said it here, obviously, under the lead-in, I mean, it was screens, it was runs, and the fact that this is, I mean, for me, Stevenson, who literally, I guess, cleared the concussion protocol Saturday or early Sunday, um, out there running like a damn Tasmanian devil, was looking to give any contact that anybody wanted. On some of these screens, John, it literally looked like there were defenders taking themselves in the blockers, or at least opposed to, you know, diving to an area to at least divert runners to have to go to where the help was. Uh, you know, I've tried to you know defend Joe Woods a ton here, and the fact is, look, you had most of what you wanted on that field yesterday defensively. That was probably you know if you could sign up as far as health wise, what you had yesterday. Say, look, no greedy, but you pretty much got everything else at your disposal. It was terrible. It, it was terrible, and they were struggling with the basics of things. Um, the tackling was terrible. Um, you know, you could definitely see there were players, you know, on the field kind of losing their cool with each other. John Johnson, the third certainly was, you know, a guy who was visibly, you know, upset. Um, you know, he should be visibly upset as he, you know, basically watched Hunter Henry take six steps, plant his foot, go towards the goalpost. And John Johnson kind of just watched him go. Um, but 
again, it was, you know, and look, I can get on the offense all day long here, but if you're not going to do anything on defense and you're just going to roll over and get owned, manned, sunned, whatever adjective you want to use, you give up a 99-yard touchdown drive. You give up a 92-yard touchdown drive. You let a backup quarterback come in and have his way against you. It just looked like they didn't want to be out there. So was John Johnson upset because he he played like dog shit? I mean, I don't know. Well, it's he, always he easier bad. to point the finger sometimes, John, at somebody else than it is at yourself. It might be the first time I've actually cussed on your on your podcast, um, but he was so like the whole defense was bad. But like, when, if he's visibly upset, he should be visibly upset with himself with the thirty-seven point four grade that he put out in that game. Um, he got he got juked out like crazy on that touchdown. He he. Yeah missed he got he got juked out other times missing tackles and stuff like that he was out of position um you know the touchdown he was was, the two of you were there and neither one of you can even at least get the ball out of the guy's hands it's great throw great catch you know give them credit um but but there's still two people there i mean yeah that's all great on their part but somebody do something I know, I know, and he he was bad. Uh, Greg Newsom was not good in this game. Troy Hill is even worse in this game at a thirty-two point five. Jeremiah Usakormoa, he was he looked like an actual rookie finally in this game. Where not finally, what he looked my, like he wasn't. What I mean, he looked but like he looked he was exactly. He this is this is kind of like the thought that you know you, you look at this defense right and you see all these flaws that pop up throughout the season and then they have a game where they come together and it, to me i was thinking in my mind all seasons like man when they go up against new england like bill belichick is going to be like licking his chops at seeing it, every single flaw that this defense has and he's going to exploit it and that's kind of like what happened in this game because you you go you you have to understand what your own flaws are so that Bill Belichick, when you go up against a coach like him, how he's going to be able to exploit those those weaknesses in your de- de- defense or just offense or whatever, and that way you can try to work around that or be able to counter that. And that's that's what you do when you go up against an elite level type coach like this. And this is kind of like what it what it felt like. And yeah, Joe Woods had his whole slate out there, and the only guy that really kind of did anything was Miles Garrett. But the problem is when 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 um, uh Mac Jones throws it in 2.2 seconds. Miles Garrett's not going to be able to get home to the quarterback, no matter how many times he beats that offensive tackle in 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 2.4 seconds. It's not going to. It doesn't matter if he's getting it out in 2.2 seconds. So, um, you know, he he had a 90.6 pass rush grade in this one. Again, was was a beast. But then the guys that you had that were actually played well for the defense were Mac Wilson and Tommy Togiai. You know, like that's those guys were both in the seventies and everybody else was 63 or lower. When you have that, nothing's good. Grant Delpit was, was one of the higher graded guys at a 61.3. You know, Denzel Ward was an act, was actually not too bad. He only gave up one catch in this game for, for seven, 10 yards. Um, but really you, you, this, the whole team was bad there. It's not even if they had busts and stuff like that, they just got manhandled and that's a concern. And I, one of the things that this, the defensive line has is really bad at, at is taking on double teams. Um, both Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson are really bad at doing that. And the, the Patriots just ran duo man all game long and just pushed them around. And it just, you can get five yards a pop and then plus some every single time you do that. 
Uh, we'll ask real quick here, John, because I'm sure, obviously, you know, with the Ohio State influence uh, in the Cleveland Brown fan base, uh, Tommy Togiai, his NFL debut yesterday, and how did it go? And look, before John gives us a grade, it's better than anything Andrew Billings did while wearing a Browns uniform, but go ahead. Yes, yes, it was. So Tommy Togiai was a 71.2 and 22 snaps. Um, had some had some nice plays in, in run defense, and which is exactly what you're hoping for from him um, when he, he got in there. and so. Good stuff. I know he had the on the goal line. He had one of uh, a tackle for I think it was no gain. He stuffed that guy right in the, in the hole. Um, got off of a block from Shaq Mason um, to to shed that to be able to make that stop. And you know he he just he looked really solid at this at the point of attack in this game. One of the the few bright spots, especially for um, you know first action of the season. So um, good. good there for might him. be some opportunities coming for him. But look, Malik Jackson is not a puppy by any means. Um, Malik McDowell, you know, you know, to say rookie wall is one thing, but there's also to say, having played football in five seasons, rookie wall is a guy who's probably starving to see a bye week coming soon. Um, you know, maybe, and look, and this is where coaching should come into this stuff. If Tommy told you, I was able to do some stuff against the run game this week, maybe give him an opportunity in the situations that are going to fit what he does best and save where it appears your two best defensive tackles right now are more pass rushers than they are run defenders. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Malik McDowell, Mick Jackson, they were out there for 45 and, and 33 snaps respectively. Um, whereas Togi, I was out there for 22 snaps. Um, you know, 16 of those snaps were run defense snaps, uh, which is, which is good. They were at least kind of identified when they were going to be running the ball. And, you know, he was out there majority of the snaps he was out there for, for, you know, in run defense. So, I agree that they have – I think Tommy Togiai showed something in that game yesterday, especially against an offensive line that was crushing you all game long, that he held up on his own, that he should get some more playing snaps moving forward. It's just something you have to do. And, look, you're at the point now where you've got to try something different because this is you know basically where in the situation they have put him in here. Greg Newsom, you know, John, we've obviously you know kind of waxed poetic about him over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, this is – look – and you know, Bill Belichick's done this forever. The Patriots have done this forever. And it's, well, okay, you're still a rookie in our eyes. So until you prove it, we're, you know, we're not going to believe it. And, you know, got beat, obviously, on reception, couple of penalties, you know, bad day for the rookie. And it kind of seemed like, it, you know, obviously you mentioned Denzel Ward. It, it wasn't a bad day for him. I think the Patriots were smart and said, well, <laughs> we don't have to go there. We'll just, we'll take our shots other, other places. And they were able to do that. But there are two things here. You know, obviously a difficult day for Greg Newsom. But, John, this is a tell now as far as the run defense. It's it, it's a tell, and it absolutely has to get better because it's going to trend towards this going down the stretch where, you know, whether time of year is going to dictate, you know, trying to run the ball more and the Browns have to find a way. There's just zero question about it. They have to get better at stopping the run. Yeah, and, and we, you know, at PFF, you know, our, our nerd people talk about how the run defense doesn't matter and stuff like that, and, and it – the, the the argument more should be you know based around the run defense is your least important aspect of the you know pass defense run defense pass offense run offense right but the thing is like you can't stop the run a team is all they're going to do is just going to run it down your throats and get five six yards a pop and that's going to get them to go down the field right and it's demoralizing to a defense this the psychological aspect of that is, is real and if you can't stop the run, especially when, if you can't stop the run when it matters, then you aren't going to be doing much, especially in 
you know, the, in the playoffs, you talk about like, think about when, when Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl, they had a really bad run defense until Bob Sanders was able to come back into the mix. Mm-hmm. And he really kind of transformed that defense. And they actually, you know, basically turned it, turned it around from a bottom, like seven defense in the NFL to a top 10 defense, mainly because of him and his attitude and what he was able to bring to, the, to that table. And they became a lot better at stopping the run. So, like, it's in the cards for the Browns to be able to stop the run. They have the talent to do it. They just have to figure out figure out a way to do it. They got to they got to get better at this, those double teams. They got to get those guys off the field that they can't. They, I mean, Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson they're they're bad at, at the double teams, like I said. So you can get if you can get Tommy Togiai more snaps in there. Jordan Elliott's not too bad at those as well. Um, he had a pretty I'd say solid game in this one at run defense is a 72.3. But the thing is like, you need, you need to t- have those guys that come in there to take on those double teams. But the thing is when those other guys are going to be in there and they're going to run it, they're going to call on for some double teams. So of maybe course. don't have them out there at the same time when there's a, you know, 50, 50 chance or whatever the split is of, of run pass. Um, because, and, and these, because it's, it's detrimental to your defense right now. It just is. And you don't have the, you don't have the talent you don't have like the super talent at linebacker to be able to fight through guys getting beat on that defensive line you don't have Ray Lewis and and Luke Keekley and stuff like that out there to to be able to make up for bad defensive line play even yeah, exactly. though those guys didn't have bad defensive line play so no but I, the same thing though you I mean you, you ask the linebacker to do one job and normally the thing is keep the linebacker clean they'll do the job now you're asking them to you know avoid you know you being blocked into them and the guy who's blocking said guy into you, you know, obviously it's going to make things a lot more difficult. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, just, there's no way around it, guys. I mean, it was a sad day all around, you know, whatever, you know, whether it was, you know, physicality, whether it was game plan, whether it was overall performance, tackling, none of it, none of it was there yesterday. And, you know, granted, and we'll get to this here, you've got Detroit this week, which looks like an opportunity to feel good. Um, but again, you had that opportunity last week and it didn't essentially carry over to this week. And of course, folks, y'all know what's coming up right after the Detroit Lions, right? I, I hope you do because that's going to be an interesting one. We're going to close it out here with John in just a bit here. Some thoughts about trying to you know get over this absolute mess and get ready for next week at home, one o'clock as the Detroit Lions come to town. Hey, Browns fans, this is Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app who everyone buys gas needs to know about. Get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. My listener, again, uh, just use the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Promo code TOUCHDOWN and get 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Again, download the app for free. Use the promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. And there is no catch. Your cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Again, download the free get upside app. Use the promo code touchdown. John, this is where I think for me, things are going to get a little difficult. We're now talking about Baker Mayfield's fourth injury. So it's not only the shoulder, the bone around the shoulder. Apparently, there's a foot injury. There's, I guess, a knee contusion at this point. Um, certainly stacking up that way. And, you know, of course, you know, Coach Stefanski, we like where he's at right now. And you look, you love Coach, you really do. 
But sometimes, you know, it's just like, all right, enough of the same old stuff because, you know, situation appears a little bit more dire, certainly, than any of us were expecting 10 weeks into this. The Detroit Lions, kudos to them. They will not be the first NFL team to go 0-17. So, you know, maybe they threw a parade for a tie yesterday. And it's always weird when you hear anybody in the NFL say, wow, I didn't know we could have a tie in the NFL. As you heard from Najee Harris, I still can't believe this is going on. Uh, but, John, the Detroit Lions are bad. They play hard on defense. They can run the ball a little bit. Jared Goff, I mean, this whole trade just looks like it was basically saying, we know Jared Goff's not good, so we're going to put him on a bad team just to show that he can't do anything to, you know, do anything to help it, and they're going to be really, really bad. Um, but the Lions are coming to town. You've got to write the shit. You've got to knock out the freaking noise, and you've got to get yourself to 6-5 and five because you can salvage a lot of these miscues in the two games remaining after Detroit. Yeah. Um, I mean, this should be an easily winnable game for the Browns. Um, and they, the season's still out in front of them. Um, it's not over yet. Um, obviously losing, losing to the Patriots who you had a, the same record with and basically kind of in the same position of fighting for the, the similar type of playoff spot is, is a big loss, but you still, all your games in front of you are against, you know, potential playoff teams, except for this Detroit Lions game. So you, you have everything out in front of you. It just has to start with the, the Lions team and the Lions team that obviously is not very, very good. So just tying, you know, they they just didn't, the first time they didn't lose this year was this past weekend. And it was against a, a team with Ross, with, with, with Mason Rudolph as a, as a quarterback. So, um, you know, they, they've played some hard games, you know, that I think they've been a tough out for in a couple, a couple situations, but, also at the same time, they they got you know essentially boat raced against the 49ers week one. They boat raced against the Packers. Um, they gave the Ravens a, a tough tough task and the Vikings a tough task with you know lost sack, last second uh, field goals that beat them. But at the same time, they're they're just not a very good team. They don't have any weapons on offense outside of you know DeAndre Swift and and TJ Hawkinson that really kind of puts any type of fear into you. Um, you know that I think I have an offensive line that's solid but nothing nothing special at least at this point that could be better in the future but you know jared goff is not gonna you know he's a statue back there he's a he's the type of guy that you should be able to get a lot of sacks on a lot of pressure on and they should be able to they should be fine after this you know coming into this week and, and winning this game and then it's just kind of you know don't look ahead into the to your next opponent because if you do i think we, what we've seen so far is that these these lines can become really pesky um, we've seen it a couple times, so just take care of business this week and then, you know, look forward to the rest of the season after that. And John, like, it's weird. Cause the AFC, it, it's such a, I mean, it, it, I guess it goes on in the NFC too. It doesn't seem like there's very many teams that want to just basically grab, you know, maybe outside of the Packers that basically just want to grab either conference and just say, you know, we're putting our stamp on this. Uh, you know, the chiefs look to be getting better. But, you know, for everybody who wants to be maybe throwing the pom-poms around for the Chiefs last night, you got to understand that this is a Raiders franchise where, I mean, literally, I mean, a grenade was just set off. And it wasn't enough losing the coach. Uh, and then, obviously, the Henry Rugg situation. Um, but it doesn't seem like, you know, anybody's got this sense of urgency, which means this is going to be really, really huge when this goes down the last seven – I'm sorry, the last eight weeks of the regular season, seven games for the Browns, obviously – Somebody somewhere step up, take some urgency because the opportunity is there for almost anybody in every any conference right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the Titans are kind of like solidifying themselves in, in the AFC. Which is crazy without Derrick Henry, but go ahead. Well, I mean, he's a running back. Brian Tannehill, I've said all along, has been the engine for that team. But, you know, we can get into that debate later. <laughs> but I think, I think though, uh, they, they, I don't, I, they, they lost, somehow lost to the New York Jets for some, for whatever reason. But they're eight and two, so they're in the driver's seat. I think the Bills essentially are in their drive, you know, they're in a pretty good position there, somehow lost to the Jaguars. So, you, like, teams, that's the thing is that, like, you get, you're getting these weird one off games where these teams that you just don't expect to lose do lose to these teams, right? So, these, these one win or zero win teams or whatever. Um, so I, I, it is the AFC is still wide open. I think you even in even in the AFC North, you, the Steelers just tied a winless team. The Ravens lost to the Dolphins, who you know had, were two and six going into this week, and they've you know they've had a number of lo- uh, close contests where you thought they could easily be you know a two win team versus a six win team or whatever it is. So um, the AFC North is still up for grabs, and, and the AFC is still up for grabs, and. You know, if the Browns start clicking on all cylinders, which is what happened at about this time last year, um, and they they started ripping off some you know good wins and everything, you know they could go right back into the thick of things. And um, you know, I think they've shot themselves in the foot to start the season. You know, especially go, you know starting off five and five, but it's all in front of them. So they they can. This AFC is still wide open. There's a couple of teams that you you have a feeling that they're right there. Raiders, like you talked about. This their whole it feels like their their whole season is going to crumble apart on them based on that that's a lot of emotional turmoil that's happened on that team. Um, you know, going from John Gruden to that whole fiasco with Henry Ruggs, you know, his his or, ordeal, and then Damon Arnett's, and and that's just a lot to take on for a team. And it really kind of feels like the rails are going to fall off for them. And, and the Chiefs, they're the Chiefs. I feel like like they I don't think that they were fully back yesterday, um, but they're going to get back on track for sure. And they're going to be formidable opponent. So, but there's, there's a lot, there's wide open AFC North and it's wide open for that wild card. It's, it's going to be interesting. And look, I mean, you know, for all of this and, you know, and, and you know, we, we talked about, you know, missed opportunities, obviously Kansas city, obviously the chargers. And the thing was, is you, you could not afford to spit the bit in some other games where you thought you were going to have an opportunity. Um, Pittsburgh certainly being one. Uh, you know, then you get you know disappointing showings against the Cardinals, <clears throat> disappointing showing against the Patriots, and now you've made your bed, and you got to lie in it. Five and five um, should be better. You know, on paper you're better, but the problem is, is we keep saying this on paper nonsense. Um, yep. At the end of the day, your record is your record, and you need to you know show who you are, show what you are. Um, right now, this is a team where it looks like there's going to be changes made at the end of the season. Who knows? There can be maybe you know changes made soon as far as who's calling plays, who's calling defenses, because um, it doesn't seem that anybody is, you know, counteracting or being proactive to, you know, repeatedly getting punched in the face in one aspect of football and doing something to, you know, rewrite the wrong. And, and that is the part that's really disappointing. And look, it's great. You can push around and kick around the weaklings. Um, but when you go against the big boys, you got to be able to adjust and you got to be able to go, you know, mano a mano. And that, that's where it looks like they're having some issues. And it's disappointing. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean it is disappointing, right? I, who knows what's going to happen at the end of the year? If they get, if they turn things around and they look like the team we expect them to look like, then you know who, who knows, right? We're in the middle of the season. The bye week is coming up soon, and they'll do a self evaluation at least there. And and 
you know, I, I think the team is too talented to be as bad as what they showed a in this past game and to be as inconsistent as they've been throughout the, the rest of the season. So the, I feel like that something, you know, something they're going to come together at some point. And part of it is too, is like, you know, you, you add so many new pieces to, to a defense or just to a team in general, things are not going to, it's not, it, it takes time to click. And, you know, we thought that, Hey, it would take four to six weeks for that to click. And they've shown flashes of it doing happening, but they, again, they just haven't shown that consistency yet. So, you know, we remember we, there's been a lot of super teams, quote unquote, super teams. And I'm not even, I won't say that the Browns are a super team, but you know, when you, you have these big free agents, free agency periods where you bring in a lot of guys that it doesn't work out for whatever reason. And it's a lot of times it's because they have different ways of what they, how they did things on the other teams and they're brought here and they're expected to do it a completely different way. And part of that is, and that's one of the reasons why free agency is a, is a much riskier proposition than, than the draft and building through the draft. It's why you get a bill Belichick and and the Packers organization or the Steelers organization, like these, these really super consistent organizations with that have teams that are consistently good reason why they build for the draft is because they can bring them in and have them raw talent built up in their system and how they want them to do it in their way. So when you bring in that free agency, free agent guys, they're doing something one way and they're expected to do it a different way. It's tough. And it's, and maybe that that's the issue this year and maybe it'll come around in the second half of the season. Maybe it won't, maybe, it'll, you know, maybe it needs another season. I don't know, but um, I think, I think, you know, things obviously need to get better fast and who knows what's going to happen in the future. Things need to get better fast. There's literally no way around it. And for all that was, you know, put on this team and, you know, everything was thought of this team, be sitting here five and five after just a, you know, and look, a loss is a loss. That's fine. But I mean, when you're starting questioning, you know, effort and things like that, man, that's, that's where you get in, in some dark, dark times. And, you know, the fact that you have, you know, maybe players, you know, questioning, you know, what's being called or what's being asked of them. I mean, it's all the signs of, you know, you know, we got one, one wheel left on the rail. Are we going to write it or is it going to topple on over and go crumbling down a mountain somewhere? He is John Costco. I've seen PFF. We appreciate John for all the time he makes the availability he gives to the show here. I know you guys appreciate the episodes. Um, and I, 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 for one, absolutely love to do them. So um, always, you know, again, thanks to John at John Costco three on Twitter um, for the show. It's uh, at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open, as you guys all know. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open over there as well. You guys got questions. Try to give you the best answers, whether or not you like them or not. That's up to you. Um, appreciate everybody who makes uh Locked On Browns your first listen day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you use. We're available. Um, follow, subscribe. We are there daily and always free. None of that uh Patreon wall, none of that stuff will ever happen over here at Locked On Browns. <laughs> um, and with that, we'll put a close on this. You know, we're going to get through the week here, we're going to pound out episodes, we're going to start slowly shifting, uh, you know, towards you know, getting ready for the lines because you know, whatever happened yesterday, burn it. Bury it. What do you want to do it? You know, right now it doesn't matter. Right now it matters getting out there one o'clock Sunday, first energy against the Detroit Lions, getting a win. And then it it was always going to be, and it still most likely looks like it's going to be the most important two-game stretch of the 2021 schedule. With that, this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.